Welcome to the Bureau Briefing, a podcast by the Bureau of Digital, an organization devoted to giving digital professionals the support system they never had. Each episode, we're going to talk to a member of our community doing awesome, inspiring things. Now for your host, Carl Smith. Humans. You know, we want to believe that we're good at predicting the future. We think we know what's going to happen. But the truth is, we really suck at it. I mean, (laughs) it is hard work to figure out what's going to happen tomorrow in three months, in six months. But today on the Bureau Briefing, we've got two people who are among the best at financial and capacity forecasting. But before we get to that conversation, we've got to thank the people who keep us going, our sponsors. First of all, Vogzi. They make automating your services as simple as using the Google G Suite so everybody wins. And also MailChimp. You know, MailChimp is built to help you grow your customer love in their all-in-one marketing solution. They'll help you put your customers first. Now, let's put forecasting first and get on with the conversation. With me today, I have got two people who are supposedly smart when it comes to one of the dark arts of running a creative services business, forecasting. So please welcome to the Bureau Briefing, Mr. Rob Har, the Vice President at Sparkbox, and Mr. Jody Grunden, CEO and co-founder of Summit CPA. How's it going, fellas? That's going well. Living the dream. <laughs> well, it's good to have you both here. Um, you're also both good friends, and you seem to tolerate one another, so this should be pretty fun. That sounds about right. That uh, does sound about right. Uh, so, <laughs> so let's kick it off and just understand a little bit more about forecasting, because I would put forecasting up there with pricing in confusion over what it is, with the difference being people have to figure out pricing. Forecasting seems like something that they just look at dreamily wondering if they can ever get there. So Rob, when you define forecasting, when you think about it for Sparkbox, what is it? Yeah. And I think it's just the art and practice of trying to get good at predicting what work looks like into the future. Um, For us, it's a really key part of how we run operations here at Sparkbox. And it allows us to do all kinds of cool things um, figure out, you know, it has a component with pricing, has a component with figuring out how much work we need and, you know, what the financials look like into the future so we can make good decisions with our cash today. And when you focus on forecasting, you're looking at the workflow, right? Yeah, very much so. Now, Jody, give your definition of forecasting. And obviously, being a CFO, it's going to be more on the financial side. Yeah, I mean, real similar to what Rob was saying, forecasting for us is really creating that blueprint or that, you know, that roadmap of where we want to go and how we want to get there. So it's on the forecasting side or on the financial statement side where we're taking uh, the information that what uh, Rob was talking about and putting it into a financial plan, not just on the income side of it, but actually on the cash side of it. So we can kind of determine what our cash situation is going to be three months from now, six months from now, a year from now, uh, what the debt situation is going to look like. Do we really need to have that line of credit? You know, all the different things that go into and keep us business owners up at night. Um, we want to put that in perspective so that when we're making those decisions, they're really truly informed decisions. You're both going to be putting on, we've got a two-day workshop coming up on forecasting. And it's interesting to me that 
we're going to be looking at it from the financial side and we're going to be looking at it from the workflow side. So Jody, when, when you're looking at the financial side, how does workflow play into it? Well, it's, it's really important. Uh, the reason being is because once we actually put the, the game plan in place, you know, when we, when we look and see, hey, on a capacity side, you know, how well is, you know, this company, how, how much, can, what can this company actually do? What, what's their capacity? What, what can they, what can they achieve if they do everything the right way, if they miss a little bit, you know, that sort of thing. And so once we decide, you know, hey, this is what we're going to agree upon as a, as a group, you know, this is what we're going to look to achieve, then it, it goes to what Rob's going to talk about, which is, you know, how are we going to achieve it? You know, cause that's kind of where the, the uh, financial leaves and the implementation actually begins. And so it's a, uh, uh, here's the roadmap. And then uh, what Rob's going to talk about is, you know, how are we going to get to there? And then Rob, you're focused on how to make sure that you've staffed everything appropriately. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's that the staffing side, but it's also looking at and planning for capacity of what we need to do from a sales perspective and how do we, you know, have good utilization across our staffing plan and the money that we're already going to pay for people. Um, you know, it's one of those things that like we need to figure out exactly like Jody said, like, you know, it's great to have what your capacity is and know what your margin of error is and what your miss is. But then how do I have a feedback loop to know that, like I can actually achieve that and grade myself and get good at predicting how much work we have and how do we, you know, run our, you know, run these studios so that they can actually hit those financial results that we all want. And Rob, how far out are you able to see at Sparkbox that you feel comfortable about? I don't want to say accurately because you, you never know, but, but in terms of what do you feel comfortable that your vision is right now? Your view? Yeah. I mean, we've got projects that, you know, we've got commitments that run into 2020 right now. Um, so, you know, that's, we've got some that commitments out about a year and different degrees between that, but I feel pretty comfortable with the work that we've got, you know, signed or close to signed that we're going to hit those numbers. Um, you know, and we grade a couple different things. We grade, you know, a couple of weeks out, we grade next week and we grade, try to look at and plan for what the next month or two looks like from a actual utilization standpoint. And so when you say grade, when you're grading something out, what do you mean? Yeah, we actually try to, you know, make sure that, you know, the actuals and the forecasted work actually line up. Like it took, you know, it took forever kind of to fig for us to figure out, you know, what it looked like. And one of the things we really kind of had this moment where things started working better is when we actually were able to talk about like, here, here's what we're asking individuals and teams to commit to. And here's what you actually were able to do. So not being able, like not grading them on capacity because capacity is a function of what biz dev and things lining up and so many things outside our control but once we have things in our control, how well are we doing meeting the commitments we're asking people to make? Jody, do you see a lot of your clients having a similar process to what Rob's doing? Or are when they get to you, are they just kind of like, we're growing really fast and we don't know what's going on? Uh, it's kind of a combination of both. Uh, we, we get clients that are in that maturity stage where they've already kind of gone through the the step that steps that Rob's talking about, and they just need somebody that just kind of overseeing things. But then we also get a lot of uh, a lot of clients that are in that growth stage where uh, they really you know, they, they're, they're the best at what they do, but they've really never had a finance class in their world. You know, they never had, they don't have anybody on the team that really knows anything outside of maybe just entering some bills and that sort of thing. And so uh, we, we get kind of a combination of both. Uh, but as Rob was mentioning, the, the, the key there is 
like we like he had mentioned, you, you've got to really kind of develop this forecast and everything based on the capacity of your team, and then sure it up based on what you have in the pipeline, and then what's in, under contract, making sure that you're utilizing those that team you know perfectly or as perfect as, as you can get, so that you're not losing money in between, and then you can kind of support that forecast even even better. And what do you see as the biggest challenges for somebody in operations or that's running a shop? to getting there? What are the things they have to, they have to achieve or overcome? Uh, well, they've got to really get a good idea of where they, where they actually truly stand, making sure their, their actual accounting books are clean and up to date. The information going into it is, is good information, whether they're tracking time or not. They want to make sure the time is being tracked appropriately. Uh, the garbage in garbage out scenario happens a lot where if they're not doing things the right way on the input side, then the, the uh, they're going to get uh, junk on the out- output side. And so it's really important that they really, uh, you know, pretty much, you know, bring everything to where they, where it needs to be in a clean, uh, clean manner. And Rob, you don't work with other shops so much to help them get going. You talk to people, you, you consult, you know, as a friend, a friendly shop, but when you talk to people who are trying to figure out how they're going to forecast their workflow, what are those challenges and things they have to achieve to get going? Yeah. I mean, I think just right back to what Jody was saying, the single biggest challenge that most shops have that I talk to is being able to accurately measure what happened in the past. So, and, and that's the single biggest hurdle to get over. If we can't say what happened yesterday, how are we going to use that data to predict what happens tomorrow? And how we're going to know that our forecasts are even accurate. I think that's the place where we all have to start. And so how did, how did you crack the code on that? I mean, there are a lot of people involved in the inner workings at Sparkbox. So how do you, figure out getting that information from the individuals and into a usable format. Yeah. And I think for us, it was really just starting to write down and be really intentional with our operations process to be, to have a process, to have everyone included, to do educate and say, this is why this is important. This is how we're going to get to where we're going. This is what we're going to do on every single different day of the week so that we have good data. Yeah, and I think also adding to that, I think the uh, the big thing is is that you don't punish people for accurately inputting their time. Uh, it, you use their time as more of an education thing. You know, hey, you know the the time you know because they're gonna because people are gonna obviously push back and they're not going to start recording time accurately if if it's a, a focal point. So you just have to make sure that everybody understands and educate, like Rob is saying, on why we're tracking time this way, and here's why because. A profitability. We're looking for profit margins. We're looking for uh, different ways to improve on your ability. You know, maybe maybe when we uncover everything, we find out that that John is is takes thing. You know, takes maybe twice as long as what Mary is taking. And so we're going to spend some now maybe, maybe some really quality time on John to educate him and kind of bring him up to and, and, and improve his abilities where we would have known that before. And so there's a lot of great things like Rob was saying that you know by tracking time can really help out the process and i think it's really like it's really 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 important to educate the team on why it's important why you're doing it and once that's done and then and then of course everybody's got to do it and it's got to be measured it's got to be monitored it's got to be followed up on and if all that's done i think you're going to come out with a, a a very successful um platform yeah and i think it's you know the way i've always thought about it is the way we protect our team is by saying like, Hey, if you're accurate, then we're not going to, we're going to make sure we don't give you too much to do. 
Like this, we need this to help protect you and protect your evenings and protect your weekends so that we can have realistic expectations. We can serve our clients well. It's not the punishment thing. It's a thing where, you know, in order to make this thing work like it should and know where the money's being spent, we have to have good records and good data. Oh, and, and, and the other thing is, is that, you know, maybe we're really, really crappy on the ability to price our products. You know, maybe every time we come into a flat fee project, for instance, we over, you know, we, we over promise and we can't get that. We can't get the time you know, allotted in there. Or if we're hourly, we keep writing things off. And so it, it allows us to not only do that, but also helps us really to price different products a lot, a lot easier. And, uh, you know, so to where they're actually a hundred percent profitable or close to a hundred percent profitable, um, or huge just benefit. better than they are. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, for sure. I mean, for sure. You know, like mm-hmm. data, data is a great flashlight. It can show all kinds of problems. And like the thing that like, it, like that whole thing makes me think of like the last couple, you know, studios that I was working with to talk about forecasting and actually spent a bunch of time with to help build some of the discipline and, you know, operations part in, you know, about a couple of weeks in, they said, well, this is really hard and this sucks. And I was like, yeah, yeah, exactly. This is the <laughs> hardest thing you're ever going to do because this is going to expose all of your problems and you're, you're going to see all those things bubble to the top and it's going to suck and you're going to have to have hard conversations. And it probably be the most valuable thing you've ever gone through if you get through it. Don't give up. It's forecasting counseling. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it, yeah, exactly. And it's going to hurt and it's going to like every humans want to believe they're really good at predicting the future until we actually show them data and say like, no, this is where we're at. And this isn't just you thing. This is all of us. This is a team effort. Like it takes the team to build a good forecast. But can't we just pad the stats because we know how we're wrong every time, Rob? No, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> now you tell me. Now you tell me. You know, I, back to the um, getting the team on board. Like that's obviously a big part on on your model, Rob, on the workflow model. And Jody, I'm sure you've got not just operations, but you've got the team itself has to start tracking that time, even if you're value based, so you right. can understand what it took. And I, at the recent owner camp in Bend. One of the owners uh, mentioned, who also heads up operations, that the shift for them was when they told everyone, by tracking your time, you're holding us accountable. We're not holding you accountable. This is the way that we'll know the job we did, which, which is very much what you were both saying. But I just thought saying it that way, this is how you hold us accountable, kind of gave the, the individual producers the power to make sure, like you're saying, Rob, to protect their nights and weekends. Yeah. I think the single biggest thing that we learned is once we had some comfort and we started with a small group, you know, when we started getting good at this and the pain, because, you know, you don't want to bring anybody, everybody into the pain all at once. But once we started with a small group with the project managers, once we rolled this out to the team, it took it to a new level because all of a sudden there was no better group of people who were able to look at a forecast and be like, wait a second. This is what you expect out of me? Well, you didn't think about these things. And all of a sudden, everybody was starting to help put input in and saying like, hey, like this is, this is the expectation. Why aren't we accounting for these things? And that gave us a chance to get in front of it from a project management perspective and an ops perspective to either unblock them or to make those forecasts even better. Right, because every process has 
hidden parts that nobody sees that somebody just does, right? Yeah. And, and this kind of, to your point, kind of shines a light on it. Yeah, it's going to shine a light on all the, the good and the bad. And there's a lot of bad. <laughs> <laughs> Jody, what do you find are the the things that somebody wasn't paying attention to? Like once they start having to capture the the financial side, do they find little things that they're like spending money on or that they're not anticipating every time? Oh, for sure. Yeah. The big, the big thing they uh, find out is all the internal time that they don't even think about because internal time really doesn't cost any money, right? Well, that's obviously wrong. Internal time costs a ton of money. And when you kind of put it in perspective on, Hey, how much is that R and D project actually costing you um, in, you know, ability to bill as well as just overall cost. It, it's, it's pretty mind boggling for them. They, they, and then the other thing is just rolling off of a different accounts. You know, they, they forget about, you know, Hey, the time it takes to, from, from you to roll off one big account they've been working on for three months to another account, maybe, uh, you know, maybe a week, maybe a few days. Um, but it also, but it just kind of brings those little things in perspective on, you know, wow, maybe I need to start using my time as a, a manager to make sure that the team rolls off one into another. Maybe the R&D is only used when we don't have, um, you know, things in the pipeline to fill it up as opposed to taking away from, you know, time when we're really busy. You know, all, all the different, uh, you know, things that you really don't think about because, again, you know, time is time and you, people don't think about it as money. And when we bring that in perspective, it's, it's, it's a big eye-opener for them. Yeah, and I think the the other big unlock not only is to know what those costs are, Jody, but it's thing that we've learned is like if we can accurately forecast and know when people are going to be free, because mm-hmm. service shops are going to have like you know they're cyclical things, like nothing's ever going to line up perfectly. But you know, one of the things that we were able to do was utilize that in between time to actually accomplish valuable things for ourselves, and it was a huge huge win to just have shovel ready projects and shovel ready tasks where we could be like, Hey, you people like you three people, you've got two weeks before the next project starts. We know when it's going to start. I can't move it up, but just go accomplish this because this is important. This is a priority for us as a company. You know, and to add to that kind of piggyback off of that, it's a great opportunity for that, you know, that job that you may be for a nonprofit that you really like a lot, but you really, it's not going to be profitable for you. Well, it's a good filler time too. You know, you know, you're going to be down for two weeks, you know, why not have them do this filler job um, to, you know, for goodwill, you know, to, you know, you know, that sort of thing. And it's a good timing for it. Whereas you might have said, told that person or that, that church or whatever you might be working with that, you know, Hey, there's no way we can do that. Well, you, you can if you plan it properly. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I love the idea. We talk about two kinds of projects, Slack projects, which we can tell clients that, hey, I can't commit to exactly when this is going to be done. We'll do it in the holes. And you know, we can charge less because anytime you average a non-zero number, it's better for the company. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and you know, the second type of projects we do, we look at investment projects, projects that we know we're not going to make our full rate, but they have some other kind of upside to them. And they don't cost us anything because the, you know, the utilization is there. Like, you know, it's, I constantly am thinking, you know, I have an inventory of hours that expires every day at midnight. Anything that goes unsold or unused evaporates from my inventory forever. So anytime that I can use those to do something productive, either for us or either for any kind of upside, we win. So the the thing I'm picking up from both of you is that the, the big shift is 
you now have control to do things on purpose. Oh, intentionality. Yeah, we call it informed decisions, you know, making informed decisions for sure. So that allows not only you, but the team to kind of get rid of the unexpected. It'll still show up. There's going to be a project that gets canceled or put on hold unexpectedly, that sort of thing. But you, you've got these filler projects, you've got other things. It just means that people can relax a little. You get rid of the surprises. And that's the single like biggest win with all of this is the predictability and knowing what's, you know, having some assurity of what's going to happen. And, you know, like you're right, things are always going to happen, things outside of your control. But if, you know, a large percentage of your work is predictable and you know what's going to happen, then those little bumps don't surprise you. Like you can account for them and you can actually be ready for them. And, you know, like even if, like things don't unexpectedly happen. Like we've had cases where we've, you know, gone into a slow quarter, had a slow month, but we can see it coming. We can actually adjust in time to make it not be a surprise and be awful. So the first of the workshops is going to be in August in New York. Uh, Rob, who should come to your workshop? Like what should they be in terms of the role, in terms of the company? Yeah. Owners and operators. Um, Anybody who wants to talk about and like learn about a you know, systematic way to approach operations that result in good forecasting work. Great. And Jody? Yeah, same thing. Owners and operators, you know, we're going we're gonna to dive into the numbers and really kind of show where the company should be based on the capacity that they have. We'll go through a bunch of examples on how to look for different, um, you know, issues as they come up or how to handle different situations. Uh, we'll go over rates and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, so definitely uh, owners and operators are going to benefit tremendously from it. All right, great. Well, we're going to be at Harvest. So I want to do a little shout out to Danny and his team up there, thanking them for uh, giving us the space for the, the workshop. And for everybody, we will put in the show notes the link so you can find the workshop, and we hope we see you there. Jody and Rob, thank you so much for your time today, gentlemen. Hey, thank you, guys. Thanks, Carl. All right. We'll talk to everybody next week. All the best. <laughs>